Hello world, it's me, Cole Walker, bringing you the first ever episode of the Gyms and Bus podcast. I'm here with my two co-hosts, co-friends, brother, um, one, Cade Walker, my brother. What's up, guys? How are you? Oh, failing college. <laughs> he, uh, Besides that. He texted me, uh, or he called me today, and he was like, yeah, I was looking at uh, jobs that don't require a degree. Oh. <laughs> yeah, hey, it's, uh, it's going rough. I want to say, before we start this, um, if I tried as hard in college as I did uh, finding stats on what this podcast is, <laughs> I would have a 4.0 without a doubt. <laughs> That's big time. And you, That's, okay. And you did uh, two tabs. <laughs> yeah, two tabs. Half, that is more work than a I've Google done sheet. all of college. <laughs> and... <laughs> Miss Walker, if you're listening to this, which she isn't, he, this is hyperbole. He does so much work in college. Yeah, right? he does. Yeah, and my other host, uh, close friend, lovely friend, uh, oh, Luke Rapert. How are you today? Feel good. Yeah, I'm now officially less of a host on two podcasts than I am, or like the, not the guy running the show on it. Right. You know? How does it feel? It feels great knowing that people know I invested money into sound equipment, and so I'll get to be on every podcast. That's big time, actually. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm in a more serious role. I'm not going to be doing accents or singing, probably. Uh, for those of you that are so familiar. So we might get a five-star from Parker? <laughs> we might get a five-star. Well, if he's into this, we'll, we'll see. This might be a really niche audience. Um, so this is the Gyms and Bus podcast. Gyms um, and Bus. <laughs> and that's going to be the intro. The The whole idea behind this, I started getting really into the NFL draft and scouting um, and rookie stuff, all of that. Basically, when the Broncos started <laughs> sucking. Um, so after we won the Super Bowl, uh, we just haven't been the same. We officially have one player left from that Super Bowl roster, Brandon McManus. Von Miller was traded was away. By- I was trying to think of who it was. Yeah, it was Von Miller, um, and now it is Brandon McManus, the last person from the Super Bowl roster. And so I've been really invested in the draft for the past three or four, five years. Um, And recently, I've been really into mock drafts. So for those of you that know me, I've done uh, two or three years in a row of seven-round mock drafts. Last year, I did three seven-round mock drafts. That's insane. It's despicable. It's writing names on the paper. Yeah, it's insane. I did a sporacle quiz the other day that was, can you name the colleges of the uh, players that got drafted last year? And I had, I, I was able to name 85% of the colleges of like the 200 and, what is it, 226 players drafted? Yeah, it has been a while since the Broncos have been good. <laughs> it has been. And we're not on the up and up, so <laughs> we're making this podcast because at least my... Because, All my research can do something. I mean, such a big moment in a NFL franchise is getting their franchise quarterback. And if the Broncos aren't getting Aaron Rodgers, then it could very well be through the draft. Yeah. and Which I, a lot of people were surprised it wasn't through the draft this last year. And looking at this class, hindsight 2020, probably should have been. Probably should have been. But Morgan... The horse before the kettle, or whatever the saying is. That's not even close. I've never heard that. <laughs> the That's horse nothing. before the kettle? <laughs> All right, we're going to move on. We're going to try to be a little more time efficient than we are on the Waste of Time podcast. Um, I assume that most of the early listeners of this will be from that. Um, but this we, is going to be just so huge. It's going to be worldwide. That- I actually imagine eight people will listen to this, and that's okay. Um, I hope it's content for everyone canon out there that's been wanting more content. If you if you guys are listening to this before the show, he predicted ten. And I did. I've gone down two. <laughs> He's really <laughs> not confident. 
Um, okay, we'll get into it. We're going to start with some news um, that might impact future prospects. Uh, will definitely impact some future colleges. Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly. I want to get y'all's thoughts on this. Uh, Lincoln Riley, obviously, to USC. He said, peace. It looks like riots are going in Norman. Everyone is so upset. They're hanging banners that say traitor. Uh, we'll start there. What are some thoughts? Luke, we'll start with you. Yeah, yeah so... I kind of got the full rundown on this from one of my coworkers who's an OU fan. Oh, boy. And they feel so betrayed. And it's just talking about how Lincoln Riley is such an unbelievable coward that he wouldn't even face his own team to tell him. Brutal. Tell him that he's leaving, which is also apparently the, <laughs> the same thing for Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame. And so. He sent a nice text. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little breakup text. So, so, I mean, Lincoln Riley, obviously he's known for being an offensive mind. Some people were saying and talking about how, oh, yeah, I mean, he's got to leave. This is best job in college football. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just not in the same boat. I, I don't believe that the best job in college football can be outside of the SEC, truthfully. Obviously, mm-hmm. Southern California is such a nice location, such a storied program. But it's been a, it's been a minute since they've been relevant in college football. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Lincoln Riley can get it done there. I was talking to my dad, and it it like falls in uh, USC specifically falls in a lot of categories for me of those teams that I've never seen be good personally. Like like really really early on in my memory, you can kind of remember like Reggie Bush and right. stuff. The Reggie Bush and the Vince Young from Texas is like my first memory of college football. Yep, and it's because. It was such an iconic moment that I remember it. Yep. There, so those two are, are two programs as well as Miami falls into that for me. The historic program that I've personally just never seen be good. And then uh, Nebraska is like, those were the four that came to mind of somewhat used to be powerhouse schools. And now it's like, I I just haven't seen that. I don't know, Kate, any additional thoughts about Lincoln Riley? We kind of covered a lot of it, but... Yeah, so should we uh, share the contract details just for anyone that doesn't know? Yeah, real quick. Um, He has a $110 million contract as well as USC buying both of his homes in Norman for $500,000 over the asking price. And they're also buying a $6 million home in LA for him and unlimited use of their private jet for the family. (laughs) Wow, that's insane. uh, Yeah, my thought is... First off, who can blame him? Uh, if I was in his shoes, honestly, I'd do the exact same <laughs> thing. If you lived thing. in Norman. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And you get to go to L.A. for $110 million. Um, yeah, I'd do the same thing, but also it does make me sad that coaches really are, or at least some, are really just in it for themselves. Um, makes me grateful we have Sam Pittman. But with mm-hmm. those kind of numbers that USC's offering, uh, I mean, I'd do the same thing. So Yeah, it's interesting. I think a lot of people are in that boat of, yeah, I'd do the same thing, but it's a lot of the issues people have is the way he handled it and the way he handled leaving. True. Uh, one of the things I know was a big issue is he would use OU resources to go fly out to California uh, to, to, to recruit high school players to come to OU, and now he's just bringing them right over to USC. And so <laughs> basically stealing OU recruits on their dime, you love to see it. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a crazy alpha move. It's a baller move right yeah. there. Also, maybe illegal. Um, okay, I got a text from my grandpa that I just had to share. So I, there's this group chat from on my, both of your grandpa. Yeah, yeah, right. both of our grandpas on my. So on my mom's side, we there's this like group chat with a bunch of the guys that care about football. And um, my grandpa said he's no U fan. 
He's the, no U fan. He yeah. said, oh, he's the one that faxed the defensive coordinator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so so uh, this is the same grandpa that sent a fax to the defensive coordinator asking why they can't tackle. Um, okay, so he said, it once again proves that these guys are only in it for one thing, themselves. Any kid who listens to the old school loyalty talk now knows he's being lied to big time. Sam might be the last honest big time college football coach left in the game. <laughs> wow. It's a big statement. Yeah, there's, I know, Ty's trying to put fuel to the fire, I guess, to make a group text interesting and saying, oh, yeah, Sam Pittman at OU is actually a very real possibility. Not a chance. Not a chance. Also, apparently, okay, we'll move on to Brian Kelly to LSU from Notre Dame. Um, I haven't fact-checked this, but when I was talking to my dad, he said that Brian Kelly was in, or was this you? Did you just tell me this? No, I think dad did. Uh, Brian Kelly was in the home of a recruit, recruiting them to Notre Dame, knowing full well he'd already signed a contract to LSU, and the news broke on social media as he was leaving the recruit's house. And he had just promised this kid all this stuff at Notre Dame and that he'd be a great player at Notre Dame. And then he walked out of the door, um, and like as he was leaving it, the news dropped that he was leaving LSU. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Knocks I haven't fact checked it. Door. Yeah, no, that's all true for LSU too. It's yeah. Um, <laughs> so now, by. how do you feel about LSU? But yeah, thoughts on Brian Kelly to LSU? I'm personally not afraid at all. I, I I think Notre Dame, while they do provide a lot of NFL talent, would be way more exposed if they were even in a Big Ten, a Big Twelve. Um, I don't think they would have had the record that they've had in the past few years. I don't think Brian Kelly's that great. No, oh, yeah. Uh, I don't think he's going to survive in the SEC. I've always thought Notre Dame's overrated. Uh, I don't like Notre Dame. But, yeah, LSU, I don't think he's going to survive. It's interesting. I've always bought into the Notre Dame's overrated idea because they always get to the college football playoffs or get into some big games and right. flounder out. But it's also like when you look at their record – and who they actually lost to, the only times they lose, and they'll play some challenging non-con games. And that like, is true. They, I mean, they don't have a conference, but they'll, the only games they really lose is those like high-powered games. And so there's a chance that that whole Notre Dame's overrated thing is a little more played out than it should be. Mm-hmm. But then again, I'm, I don't know. I, I don't feel too, too worried about anything with them. I think I'm, I'm with you on, on that. the, the piece of Notre Dame's overrated for me isn't that they play really big games because I know they play big games and they play pretty well in them in the regular season. I don't think they get beat up enough in their easy games. So they're, they do have two or three games a year that they play that are like huge games, but then the rest of them are like super easy. Whereas like in the SEC, a Georgia might still win these easy games, but they're physical, hard games that like sometimes go down to the wire, right? Yeah. Not this year, obviously, because Georgia's insane. Insane. But I just think Notre Dame, if they were in a conference like the Big Ten, Big 12, SEC, um, they would get beat up and there'd be a lot more upset potential um, than what they currently have. But, okay, so that's good recap there. It does affect a lot of future scouts. Um, we, we've already talked a lot about in the group chat with OU and the potential of um, some transfers, even some recruits going to different colleges, that could all really affect how the NFL draft looks um, in three to four years. As well as, I mean, even some like quarterbacks transferring over immediately. I mean, you got um, Spencer Rattler trying to save his career. He might go back to Arizona. I think that's where he's from, right? 
I don't know. I think he's from Arizona. Maybe uh, he'll go back to Arizona State. We'll see if that happens. Have we but. ever seen a preseason Heisman favorite fall off so quickly? Dude, uh, an NFL like top five fall off oh, just I out of the NFL. Uh, Noah Johnson was talking about how in our dynasty league, he was like, oh, yeah, I'm real, like before the season, like, oh, I'm hoping I can get Spencer Rattler in the draft. Like, Yeah, it's just not going to happen. Nope. Okay, we'll move on. Um, conference championship game set. This is just quick news that this is happening this weekend. Um, all of these games, I picked the, obviously, the Power 5 conferences. In Pac-12, you got Oregon versus Utah. Uh, that's going to happen on Friday. And then on Saturday, you got the Big 12, Oklahoma State versus Baylor. Georgia versus Bama in the SEC. The ACC is Pitt and Wake Forest. And then the Big Ten is Michigan and Iowa. Some interesting games there. Um, some faces we don't normally see. Some faces lacking that we normally do see, right? Oklahoma, Clemson. Um, not there, but... <laughs> Forgot about Clemson. Yeah, crazy. Joke. Oklahoma, Clemson, maybe your Virginia, um, NC State. Ohio State. Louisville. Ohio State, obviously, big one. Penn State. Just some teams that, I mean, Wisconsin, Wisconsin's not playing. Anyway, so it's going to be a fun uh, slate of games and even a fun playoff that I'm super pumped for. Uh, We'll talk more about those games later when we, um, at the very end of the show, highlight who to watch, who are you going to watch this weekend. So we're going to move on. Uh, That was the quick news section. Next, oh, and to, sorry, so sorry, to set up the rest of the podcast, um, the next section is going to be ranking the positions in the 2022 draft, as well as highlighting the f- top five players per position group. We won't spend super long on each player. We'll try to highlight a few in that group. Um, and then we'll move on to the players to watch in conference finals. Uh, we'll hope to get you out of this podcast in the next 30 minutes or so. Thanks for sticking with us. Okay. We're going to hit the drop for the next segment. Do you have, yeah. <laughs> do we have one? <laughs> I'm high on believing. That's Adam Thielen, his music. Um, we should do trivia during this. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll get on that. Yeah, where did Adam Thielen go to college? That's going to be the first one. Small school, Northeast. Because mm-hmm. um, I know he was a former lacrosse player. Um, I'm guessing, I don't know. Massachusetts, something that's sticking in my, sticking in my mind. I'm going with UMass. Nice. Um, it is not. <laughs> oh, man. But that's a really good guess. I have no idea. Um, okay, listeners, I'm going to give you 10 seconds to pause. Text me what you think it is. I'm not going to say you're in complete silence. You, you would have paused by now. Okay. It is Minnesota State University. Oh, it's close. Yeah. That's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> I would say near impossible. I didn't know it. I was going to guess that. I knew okay. it was something super small, but I yeah, no clue. Okay, now let's get into it. The 2022 draft position rankings. Um, I've given a letter grade to each position, and I'm not like trade review over here. This isn't going to be 7 to 10 for each restaurant I go to. <laughs> I'm going to be grading these based on past... Um, Draft classes and what I see potential coming out of these classes. So to start, we're going to start with the quarterbacks. Um, Quarterbacks suck this year. It is bad. Oh, yeah. And feel free to disagree. Uh, A little bit of banter. Never hurt anybody. I mean, Um, it's also, you think about the Heisman race this year. 
Who's the favorite right now? I, really I want a sure. defensive player to win. <laughs> Give it to Jordan Davis. Ah, dude, yeah. I want it to be That'll Jordan be sick. Davis. But like Heisman, it's so typically dominated by quarterbacks, just like any MVP type of uh, award would be for football. And the fact, like, I don't know, it's telling that there's no clear favorite because there's just no one that stood out. It's not like there's so many and at especially the top. especially not of this group. Yeah, it's, it's not like there's so many at the top that it's hard to pick out. It's that there's no one rising to the top. Uh, the current Heisman odds are Bryce Young um, as the f- by far favorite. Woof. And then C.J. Stroud at Ohio State. And then Matt Corral at Ole Miss. Can he pick it at Pitt? And then Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan, the edge player. Uh, and then well, Kenneth Walker. Well, like Luke said, rising, um, Stroud just lost to Michigan. And Bryce Young just did not play a good game against um, Auburn. Oh, Auburn. Oh, my God. Yeah. Their offense I mean, was horrible. They were horrible. the two favorites, and they just... I don't know what's going to happen after that Georgia game. I think after that Georgia game, you could see a Georgia defensive player rising in the in the high. I, I, I think Georgia Aiden Davis. Hutchinson's going to win because Aiden Hutchinson is about to play. Who, who did I just say Michigan were, were playing? They're playing Iowa. Um, and Iowa does have a really good offensive lineman, um, but I just don't see it happening. Um, I think Aiden Hutchinson's going to just. I think they're, they're going to give it to a quarterback. I hate it. I wish they didn't do that. It's just, this is the least excited I've been for a Heisman. Even, like, when it's a clear favorite, like Joe Burrow, everyone knew he was going to do it. It was still fun to see the Heisman reveal. Now it's like, okay, who are you going to give this consolation to? Because you have to. to. Yeah. Yeah. I hope they do defensive, because then I'd be, like, really hype about that. That will be fun. What's your position grade for the quarterback class? Yeah, my position grade for the class as a whole is a D+. Um, I just think they are Buns McGee. Um, we'll also get into, we'll just transition straight into the top five for the quarterback. So I could not put Corral at one. I texted, uh, the group before we headed over. Uh, and I said, I, I can't do it. I can't get myself to do it. So I'm going for upside here. I'm going with Kenny Pickett, the name you probably didn't expect as my one Oh one for quarterbacks out of Pittsburgh, six thirty two twenty. Uh, he's a lightning in a bottle. I think he's a really good player, but Obviously, I, I gave this position D plus, so I don't actually think he's that good of a player. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was about to yeah. say you like, got to use some positive yeah. attributes here, but like out of the group, he's he's lightning in a bottle, but that's like a spark. Like he he he's all, he's often described as the most pro ready. Yeah, yeah, he's fun. And then uh, next is going to be Malik Willis out of Liberty six one two fifteen athletes. I know Cade is a big fan of that. Him. Is my man. Are we getting into them later? No, Let's just do it now. Right yeah. now. All right, so Malik Willis, what I see with this guy is a ton of upside. Um, so I have some stats on these quarterbacks, and I looked up Malik Willis, and it is absolutely horrific. Uh, <laughs> he has the most sacks by far. He's been sacked 50 times this year, which is That's just crazy. an outrageous number. His completion percentage is 61.6, which isn't great compared to other quarterbacks. Um, passing yards, he's got about 2,600. And he has 24 touchdowns with 12 interceptions, which is not the 2-to-1 ratio that you want. <laughs> um, but besides stats, if you watch this guy's highlights, I mean, he's an athlete. He can launch the ball uh, on the run, 50 yards on the dot. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he has a lot of room to grow if he gets under the right coaches. You're drafting and, the athlete. And the yeah. most important thing is you're drafting a runner. Like, I mean, right. yeah. It would have been I, yeah. so fun to see Trey Lance play this year in the NFL because that's what that's who Malik Willis is being compared to so often mm-hmm. because his passing stats are nothing to write home about, but he's obviously a hugely dynamic runner. I mean, he's 
last two years at Liberty, he had 944 rushing yards. This year, he has 820. Uh, that's just his calling yeah. card, and you kind of hope that he can develop as a passer in the league with some big league coaching. And so it would have been fun to see Trey Lance, see how that transition went. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Shanahan system uh, has been favorable to running quarterbacks before, so it might have been skewed depending on where Malik Willis could go. But that's the pro comparison that most people have. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. It's yeah, because his his floor to me is uh, like a worse Jalen Hurts, <laughs> yeah. which is bad. But his ceiling could be like prime RG three if RG three didn't get injured, and because I think RG three would have actually been an okay quarterback in the NFL. Anyway, okay, uh, up next. Well, you know what? RG three was in the Shanahan system. I mean, yeah, true. Great for running quarterbacks. My next uh, third quarterback is Matt Corral. I will give him a little bit of shout. Um, he's been a better game manager this year, and his accuracy has improved. Um, he does have a, an escapability that's nice. I just don't believe in him as a quarterback. Um, yeah, I, I think he'll struggle. Also, Luke wrote in here, he is ugly AF. Whoa, not me. Maybe Cade. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts on Matt Corral? Again, we, we don't want to spend a ton of time on all these guys. But but quarterback is kind of the position that if you're going to spend time on some guys because that's True. kind of the franchise piece. Matt Corral, Malik Willis is known for his running. Matt Corral can run, mm-hmm. and he's a decent runner. He showed that in college. So that's kind of something you like to see. For a guy, he's one of those kind of veteran guys that – um you kind of see what you have in college. Like, I don't think people would expect him to have some new whole, whole new level that mm-hmm. he hasn't shown in college because he has been in the Heisman conversation this year. He's been part of a good Ole Miss offense. I think he's I think he's the safest of the quarterback picks, but won't yeah. be anything special in the league. Yeah, I think you see what you're going to get with Matt Corral, uh, which is a safe quarterback. Um, I'm impressed. I think his deep accuracy this year has been uh, on the point. So I'm impressed with that with Matt Corral. Yeah, he. Um, people are trying to give him the Joe Burrow treatment of uh, he's like, I don't know, he's all of a sudden in one year become this guy that you want to that you want to take. And I just, I don't really see it, but I think he's a good pick. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't think he's a good pick. Uh, number four, we have Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati. I just want to make one other note with kind of your good pick comment. It's all, a lot of it's going to be relative to where you draft them. Yeah. And so I think four quarterbacks will go in the first round. Oh, yeah, because quarterbacks are always and it's climb up the be, draft board late. It's just going to be such a mistake for the teams, Broncos, that pick one. <laughs> and so many teams need one, too. Steelers. I mean, I'm fully Washington. convinced. Oh, Steelers need one. Steelers bad. need one bad. Washington, Washington needs one. Seahawks might need one. I'm fully convinced that the Broncos didn't take a quarterback last year because they think they can get Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense at this point. Yeah. Um, okay, Desmond Ritter, he's a good player. He's a dad. Uh, he's got that going for him. He actually has led Cincinnati to a really impressive run uh, this year. He's a little inconsistent on his accuracy, uh, but he's got, I mean, he's a leader, and, and he's proven that. And so I think it, he'll he'll be a guy that interviews really well, um, but we'll see how he tests. And then Carson Strong is your Josh Allen wannabe. Um, not mobile at all. No. <laughs> so he's that's where he really falls off of what Josh Allen is. But I guess I say that because of his arm strength. Um, Carson Strong has a strong arm, um, and he can hurl the ball. And so if you're intrigued by that type of thing, thank goodness John Elway is not our GM anymore. He would probably take Carson Strong at wherever we end up picking, 11, 12. 
But you're drafting Carson strong for traits. Yep. Yep. Um, some people might be surprised. I love Sam Howell out of the top five. I know he's like third and fourth on a lot of people's boards at this point. He's just your discount Baker Mayfield. And I don't think you'd want to draft a discount Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Baker Mayfield is already so discounted. Already as so is. discounted. I mean, that, 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 this player would just be free. Um, okay. I, I want to talk on one more if we have a second. Sure. Um, what do you think about Bailey Zapp from Western Kentucky? Yeah. Who? Bailey Zapp, the <laughs> guy that's leading in passing yards this year and passing touchdowns. Yeah, where'd you say he went to college? Western, uh, Western Kentucky. Kentucky. Mm, so not a lot of competition. Um, he was in, in an air raid offense at Western Kentucky. He threw 580 passes, which by far is leading. Uh, but his completion percentage was 70% out of all those passes, almost 5,000 yards, 52 touchdowns with only nine interceptions. Mm. Uh, stats are wild. A lot of mock drafts have him going as the eighth best quarterback. So maybe it's because of his um, competition that he had. Um, but I don't know. I think throwing 580 times with a 70%, 70% completion uh, with only nine interceptions is pretty big time. Is he short? I'm reading I'm here he's short. not sure. I mean, that, that's that could he help. could be one of those type of guys. I don't know where he's currently mocked. But I'm not opposed to the strategy for some of these quarterback needy teams. If they don't see the value at the top of the draft in this one, you take a you take a defensive player, you take you know whatever position player you need there, draft for best available early in the draft, and then you get to like the third, fourth, fifth round, and you're like, okay, we'll take a dart throw on quarterback, get them a little bit of run, and see if it works out. Maybe you get a Dak Prescott, uh, who Cowboys got in the fifth, fourth or fifth, mm-hmm. uh, but it's like. You know, take the dart throw late on a smaller school guy where you don't maybe you maybe don't have that high competition sample size. So they have a lot more area to grow. Yep. Um, so I don't mind that approach in this particular draft. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying he's top five, but I think he's someone that you should definitely look out for when he gets in the NFL next year and uh, just see what he does. It's pretty quick. Four seven. Yeah, he's six one. By the way. Yeah. Could be something. Um, I also wonder if this is going to be a year where people give their year two players a shot, like Kellen Mond. Um, maybe I mean I know uh, I they like might not Kellen give up. Mond, I know I do too, but I also I like Kirk Cousins. Yeah, and so we'll see what they do. But I think there's a lot of those year two players, even even guys that have just always been backups. See what they can do, right? Jameis Winston. I mean, he's he played okay when he was in, so <laughs> maybe give him another shot. I'm not saying I would do that, but. Definitely yeah, not Broncos Mason Rudolph. Are so screwed. <laughs> not we Mason need a, Steelers Rudolph. need a quarterback. Yeah, not Mason Rudolph. It's Malik Willis. <laughs> or Dwayne Haskins. It was so funny yeah. hearing in the offseason so many uh, the fantasy footballers would make so many comparisons between Mason Rudolph and Drew Locke. Just <laughs> the two most irresponsible quarterbacks in the league. So brutal. Um, uh, not speaking of quarterbacks, let's go to the running backs. Oh, that was a seamless transition. Uh, sure. All right, running backs, I've given the position grade of C. Plus. Um, just because there's not a dude, there's not a guy. I, I think there's a lot of solid running backs. There's one obviously in contention for, um, you know, could be uh, the Heisman, right? I think he's like seventh. And Kenneth Walker, who is my number one ranked running back. But overall, this group, um, also just the NFL's outlook on running backs. They're taking less of them early you can see that you can very easily get a good running back in the second and third, right? Like Michael Carter's been really good. Um, 
a lot of players like that. But mm-hmm. Mike Carter was fourth too. Yeah, in fourth, fourth round. round. And so you can find good running backs late. You can even find them undrafted. Philip Lindsay was that, but obviously James Robinson. Cut. James Robinson, uh, a guy that I'm not super in on as a player, but has been solid. Is Miles Gaskin? Yep, he was an undrafted. Round. I think seventh. You might be right. It might be undrafted um, out of Washington, but. Um, so it, it takes a little bit away from these guys here, um, but either way, I, I think you'll get really good players if you draft at least the top three of these guys. Um, so my first one, Kenneth Walker out of Michigan State, um, at one point was just bowling over people uh, and was looking like he was the surefire Heisman. I kind of hoped he was. I like a good running back in the Heisman race, uh, but he has fallen off when it comes to going up against good defenses. Um, so not amazing there. Uh, next, I got Brees Hall out of Iowa State. He's so he's fun. fun. He's so fun to watch. Uh, a lot of people's... Th- these top three are interchangeable for one, two, three. Uh, I've seen a lot of boards that go a lot of different ways. Especially who I've put third is first on a lot of people's boards. Isaiah Spiller out of Texas A&M. Uh, we'll pause on him for a second. Because we watched him uh, play us, uh, us being Arkansas. And I wasn't incredibly impressed with Isaiah Spiller. Uh, I watched a few other games, and I can see what the hype's about. But our defense is amazing, so it's really you know tough to run off. <laughs> yeah, our three man front rush. <laughs> rush de- it's actually so funny how the Texas running back was lighting up the world, and our three man front shut him down. And then Isaiah Spiller is insane. And other than one long run, we absolutely shut him down with three man front. And I was feeling so good about a rush defense. Yep. And boy, did that. And then not, Tyler Beatty yeah. came along. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. Who I don't have on this, but I'm sure he'll be drafted. He'll play well. And some stats. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so those are my top three. Uh, my next two, Zach Carbonet uh, with UCLA. In French. <laughs> Carbonat. Carbonat. <laughs> Zach Carbonat. <laughs> with uh, UCLA at 61220. Uh, biggest. Oh, no, I guess Brees Hall and him are about the same size. And then Kyron Williams, Notre Dame, uh, 5'9", 199, the smallest guy in my top five. Um, feel pretty good about both of those, but I, you could maybe get yourself a bell cow back with Kenneth Brees um, or Isaiah. I'm not as sure that Zach or Kyron could be those bell cow guys. Um, yeah, but. I mean, I don't have a ton to hit on on these individual players, but more I just have... I feel so strongly in the NFL running back, um, you know, the philosophy that you just use and abuse them on their rookie contracts. I don't like drafting a high running back. I think there are very few exceptions uh, to that. You've seen that trend happening. Like Jonathan Taylor, great pure runner. He was he fell to the second round. Mm-hmm. He he's one of the guys that he clearly looks worth looks worth a high draft pick. I think even Najee Harris from this last year could have been worth his draft capital mm-hmm. that was invested there. But just in general, I like second round earliest, mainly third round early third round running backs that you can just use them, abuse them, don't sign them to a second contract, and just move just on. Just do it again. Well, you look at Christian McCaffrey, uh, how much he got paid to be out for the year again. Uh, so even with contract oh. extensions, oh. you don't know if you want to do that with running backs. Yeah, no, because they don't have a lot of tread. Almost left on the no running backs are are sustaining value through their whole second contract, mm-hmm. and they get a big second contract. Adrian Peterson, and the very few people, there are very few that are worth it in the NFL. 
in those situations that they're worth it are when the offense absolutely revolves around those running backs. Derrick Henry. Derrick yeah. Henry, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Like, I mean, and then even, you know, you see McCaffrey, injuries happen, and the Panthers' offense becomes a disaster. True. Mm-hmm. So. I think Najee Harris is going to end up being like that. Like, if if he's going to be, at least for a while, who the Steelers revolve around. I hope um, so. I hope he doesn't he, die. <laughs> he was just, he was a workhorse at Bama, so I don't know how many carries mileage. we can give him. He has a lot of mileage. But, hey, even if even with that early, early draft capital, give him all the work for oh, yeah. those four, five years that you have him on a rookie contract. Yeah. And then let him walk. It's fine with the running back. That's just the philosophy yeah. I have. Yeah, the, the the round two one is interesting. Javante Williams is a beast. <laughs> round two. I mean, he's crazy. Um, another thing to think about is the current state of the NFL with who even needs running backs. It's not a ton. Not a ton of teams need a running back. You got the Bills that could maybe use like the like a main guy, but their running back by committee is not bad. No, it's bad. It's yeah, bad. it's horrible. That's <laughs> that, what I and that's like one of those things. I love the philosophy that we've been doing because it's just we've taken some shots in the third round. Yep. They haven't really hit. And I think it's a combination of don't have a stud running back there, and then I also think it's a scheme thing with mm-hmm. the Bills. But Houston obviously could use a running back, but Houston needs everything. And so I don't yeah. think you're going to splurge on a running back early. Um, I don't believe in Chris Carson, so maybe Seattle, but... I believe in him as a player, but he cannot stay healthy for anything. Yeah, that's true. Okay, that's the running backs. Um, Let's get to the more exciting part here. Yeah, position grade C+. Wide receivers, I'm giving the position grade A-. minus. Um, so I think this is my second highest grade. Yeah, my second highest grade of everything. And I'm going with our boy, Traylon Burks, as wide receiver 101. Every, th- every trait that you could want. Yeah, I mean, I, I just... There's so many unique things about Traylon's game. He's going to test insane. He was Arkansas's offense. Like, anytime we needed to move large amounts of yardage, it was Traylon. I have never seen an individual receiver mean so much to an offense. It's like insane. It, offense revolves around them. And when, yeah, when we need something, we give it to Traylon. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, 6'3", 225, he's easily the biggest of these guys that you have. Uh, as your kind of top group of six here. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also just so fast, absolute burners. His hand size is something that's hit on a lot, uh, <laughs> that's been hit on a lot during games, and the commentators will talk about it, and they'll show his comparison of hand size to NBA players. He it's just insane. has, dude, he is so freakishly talented. He's made five or six different catches that have just blown my mind, and like three catches that were maybe an inch away from being the most insane thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Okay. Another reason I have them at one, a lot of these guys you could comp to other wide receivers in the NFL already, or there's a lot of wide receivers that do something similar. I think Traylon, he just could be crazy. Um, DK Metcalf ish. It's hard to comp him. It's hard to put a comp on him with who he's going to be because he's, He's freaky fast, but he's really physical as well. He's just a great... Like, I see a little bit of... Again, I'm a little biased. I'm a Broncos fan. But I see a little bit of Sutton in him with his, like, big catch ability and his physicality. But he's way faster than Cortland Sutton. I've never wanted someone so badly on the Bills. uh, I mean, he's going to... I don't think... And what's crazy is I don't think he'll go top 15. I think he'll go somewhere between 15 and 25. Wide receivers, it's just so hard to know. 
Yeah, I do hope that he goes. Like, I would almost rather him not go to the Broncos to see him have a great career somewhere. Oh, like, so the Broncos, go. no quarterback situation and a right. wildly crowded wide receiver room. Bills would be crazy fun if he were, if he took over the Emmanuel Sanders role. Him with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and you know, even the Cole Beasley mm-hmm. to be the slot guy. But man, that's a fun fun locker room. Kate, any thoughts? I know you're also an Arkansas fan. We we went round and round on him, but yeah, I mean he's everything you want in an NFL uh, receiver. You know he's huge. He's got breakaway speed that we saw against Alabama. Um, 225. His hands measure at ten point two five inches, which I believe was the biggest in college football this year. I may be wrong about that, but I mean that's massive. Is there a hands. contest? <laughs> well. <laughs> He catches everything in his vicinity. Anything, if you can get a ball to him, unless you know, it's he's right to his hands against Rice, <laughs> we don't talk about that. Rice was rough. Oh, it was so funny seeing people panicking. I know. Yeah, I, I say I know, like I wasn't one of them. I, I was, was not. One of them. I was staking my stake Steak. in the ground. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, so Traylon's insane. We'll move on to my second, which most draft boards have the Ohio State tandem at one and two or some combination, but I think it's unanimous that Garrett Wilson is better than Chris Olave, um, and that's what I have. I have Garrett Wilson as the second best wide receiver, six foot one ninety two, explosive and ama- amazing ability to bring down the ball. I I think he is going to be a ton of fun at the next level. I think he's really sure-handed. Um, I I struggle a little bit with how good is Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave because they're on the same team, and you can't always put the best corner against one of them, right? Uh, they're always guaranteed to kind of split the defense in that way. But I do think they're both crazy, and I have Garrett Wilson next. Yeah, I have... I actually have Olave at two. Mm. I have him above. Uh, I, ha- I have Burks as my number one. Olave is my number two, and that comes down to just pure route running. He's, He's very been, smooth. Yeah, and, and I yeah, crisp out of breaks. Uh, I think separation is something that translates into the NFL from college. Um, but yeah, really talented guys out of Ohio State there. Yeah, I. I just think I like the explosiveness that Garrett Wilson can bring. I mean, not taking anything away from him. I think this wide receiver group is insane. I mean, um, yeah. your number three guy, if you want to talk about explosive. Yeah, Jamison Williams, who's not even like in the top five in a lot of people's big boards. Like he's he's top ten for sure. But Jamison Williams, especially the back half of this. Sorry, Jamison Williams out of Alabama, uh, 6'2", 189. Um, especially this back half of the year with Alabama has been the guy. A lot of th- people thought it was going to be Mechie, and Mechie's still crazy, uh, but he's, Jamison Williams is somehow as fast as, as fast as people from Bama have, ugh, as fast a player that Bama's had in a while, and he's 6'2", and he's physical. Um, I think he's an amazing player. Yeah, I mean, he's your, he's your Tyree Kill except with size. Uh, his 40 time is at a 4.32, which is just <laughs> unreal. Then we'll see if the combine holds up to that. I'm excited that the combine's back and we get actually yeah. some real testing. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see what Burks gets on his 40 time. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because we got a lot of weird stuff last year where it was like no combine, only pro day. Guys are running in 40 40 yard dashes in two seconds. Yep. Um, yeah, but Jamieson Williams is your guy that can burn your safeties even if you're running three deep. You know, he just gets behind everyone. Uh, if he's got a quarterback that can throw to him, which he should, uh, is he a first rounder to you? Yeah, probably late first rounder. I mean, there's so many yeah. of these guys. I'm, I'm 
lock him into the Raiders. <laughs> yeah, yeah Gruden, Raiders yeah. will take him. Um, except Gruden's not there. Oh gosh, that's a wow. That's a good point. Forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Or if he was, I mean, he'd go whenever the Raiders pick was. I mean, I think he's a good take for anyone. But um, and the next we got Chris Olave, which we've talked a lot about. Smooth, smooth routes out of Chris Olave. I have to sneeze, but it, okay, it's gone. Um, <laughs> and then next we have. I'm glad the I'm glad the audio listeners. Well, I, I was like in a roll, and you know. Um, so next we have a really interesting <laughs> people, player. People were just sitting there listening. Oh man, Cole really sounds like he needs to sneeze right they now. Know, I hope he can get they it out. Knew. Uh and then fifth I have Drake London out of USC six five two ten currently injured. Fractured his ankle in October. Really unfortunate. I'm seeing a lot of people still have him as wide receiver one of the group. Um the dude made insane catches. I mean, he was mossing people left and right. He could be nasty. I just I I get too sketched out with injuries. I don't want to take anyone with injury history personally. It's um, also but he's wide, wide receiver. I don't have the numbers to back this up because I haven't done the research on it, but I'm pretty sure wide receiver has the highest bust rate of basically any any position. Like it seems like you're just you're taking a huge chance taking an early wide receiver in the NFL draft when you also see it has such a high hit rate of guys outside the first round like these their third and fourth round guys that are always that like there are always a couple of them that are relevant each year i don't know if it like it necessarily the hit rates that high but it is you get more studs in the later rounds at wide receiver than you do at a lot of other positions and so mm-hmm. it's a, it's a philosophy thing i'm typically against drafting high wide receivers um in the nfl draft but there's different ones that just got injured <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm risk averse a lot of times in NFL draft, but I think there are some difference makers that are worth it. Traylon Burks being one of them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Drake Lennon, he could be your guy uh, on the NFL team that goes in when you're in the red zone. You know, he's a huge red zone threat. He's your classic physical receiver, but he's still pretty slender for being six five. Um, he's got a massive wingspan, great for jump balls. You know, he may not be a guy that people want. Uh, on the field 75% of the snaps, but he's definitely a guy you put in in the red zone. He almost played basketball <laughs> in college as well. He was a good ball player. Um, okay, we'll move on. I do have Jah- Jahan Dotson as a shout out of Penn State. He's in tight. Yeah, thank you. He is a burner. Out. He is fast. Um, he could easily end up in the top three um, as far as like wide receivers drafted, like what order, just because he's so freaking fast. He's KJ Hamler, but with a better uh, route tree. Yeah, he's better route runner than and with than a KJ. better ACL. True, and with a cool name, Jahan. It's big time. Tight ends that we will spend like no time on. Um, we're gonna fly through it. Yeah, talk about um, a cool name at number one. C minus is what I'm giving the position grade. Jalen Widemeyer out of uh, Texas A&M is the big guy there, as well as Trey McBride. It's kind of those two, and then the rest of it um, separates Trey McBride out of Colorado State, so small school. Um, six four two sixty, and then you got Jaleel Billingsley, um, which that just sounds like a British name if I've ever heard one. Blimey. I'm not doing Jaleel it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm it's not. my role now. Uh, out of Alabama, he's 6'4", 230. And then you got Jeremy Ruckert out of Ohio State. He's 6'4", 230. Yep. <laughs> Jeremy Ruckert, <laughs> Ohio State, 6'5", 250. And then Cade Otten 
Washington, 6-5-250. Nothing crazy to talk about here. I don't think any of these guys are going to go first round. I think you can see Jalen going second round, uh, but then you probably won't see the rest of the guys go until the third or fourth. It's also tight end is one of the hardest positions to translate early onto the NFL. Yeah. I mean, it's particularly in the receiving game, it's a hard transition, and you don't see guys putting up a whole lot of Mm -hmm. stats as tight ends early in rookie years. It's become, even even second year, it's pretty rare. It's usually more of a third year, fourth year breakout for tight ends. So Even tight ends that are considered good. Well, yeah, I was going to say, even Kyle boat. Pitts, I feel like, hasn't uh, quite lived up to the expectation. I think he's been the best rookie tight end. Uh, Pat Firemuth for the Steelers. The Muth is Luth. The Muth is Luth. Um, yeah, that's a good point. That There were a few good ones this year. But even in previous years, uh, like Noah Fant, um, Hawkinson, both going in the first round, don't end up being incredible, even though they're considered like good tight ends. Like they're both considered good tight ends. Even yeah, great I mean, tight for ends, you fantasy but. players out there, rookie tight ends, it's not a gamble worth taking. I mean, Kyle Pitts is as sure a pro- prospect as it can be. They played him at wide receiver more than they played him at tight end. Yeah. And obviously, there are different situations. Always he didn't land in the best situation where, uh, especially with Calvin Ridley being out, coverage is heavily focused on him. But we talked a lot about, um, or our group talked a lot about before the fantasy season started, like the best tight end rookie season uh, in fantasy history would have finished as the tight end six last year in fantasy. So it's just like, it's not a super exciting position for rookies, but you know, they could be something to build off of. And especially if you're Knox as an example, took it took three years to become relevant. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. Okay. We'll move on to the tackles again. The tight ends, I gave a C minus, it's also hard to grade the position as a whole because you're not taking a ton of them early anyway, even if they are amazing. Uh, Kyle Pitts being the anomaly, right? Um, offensive tackle is next. The beast in the trenches. And we've got some big old boys. Um, I'm giving the position grade of the tackles a B uh, with Evan Neal starting us off at 6'7", 350. And the dude is going to test out of his mind at the combine. Um, there's arguments for... Charles Cross and Akeem Ikuanu uh, being tackle one in this class. People are just assuming Evan Neal is going to test the way they think he is, um, where he's going to have insane speed, insane strength. Um, and I agree. I think out of Alabama, Evan Neal is is nuts. I don't. I don't have a lot to add about. I haven't done a lot of scouting on the individual <laughs> linemen, um, but I'm a big fan of. If you're gonna go early, if you're gonna go early in the draft on offensive linemen, I like taking them for the bigger schools where you know what you're gonna get. Mm-hmm. You're gonna usually get those, uh, uh, you know, experienced guys, seasoned um, that have gone again that you've seen them go against NFL level competition. Mm-hmm. I also love if you're going late in the draft. I love the shotgun approach, taking like two or three shots at linemen late in the draft. And I like drafting from the smaller schools and taking for traits. Yep. Uh, if the Langstons are listening to this, they're probably going to make a number of references about uh, like, oh, take take a drink every time Luke makes a Bills reference or something. <laughs> but like, we drafted Spencer Brown out of the smallest of small schools this last year yep. solely because like he is just huge, massive guy drafting for traits, and he's been awesome for us. Those are the kind of shots that you take late in the draft, where it's like, oh, this guy could be something, could be nothing. But he has the traits of being an NFL guy as a lineman. Um, might as well 
take a late round shot because the hit rate's so low anyways. Yeah, very true. Um, and, and you made a good point of that have played a lot of snaps and played against really good competition, and that's Charles Cross. So Evan Neal, athletic freak, Charles Cross has played so many snaps at Mississippi State. He played a lot last year. He wasn't amazing last year, but he with that offense they run there, he was the amount of passing snaps. Super pass heavy. Mike the amount Leach. of passing snaps that they had, I read somewhere that he played the amount of snaps plus three games of what an NFL schedule is at Mississippi State for the average like tackle, wow. which is just crazy. And so Charles Cross um, played a lot, and he's played a lot better this year as well. And so if you just want like that surefire, he's kind of like the surefire. He's NFL ready now. His upside isn't as high as Evan Neal, but he's a good player. Akeem, Ekwu, Ek, uh, it's just not going to end. Ekwanu. Ekwanu. Thank yeah. you. That's so bad for me. Akeem Ekwanu. Um, He's playing tackle right now, but he has played guard. A lot of people have him as the number one offensive lineman, period. He's shown a lot of versatility. He is the meanest run blocker in this class. Um, He could be crazy. And then moving on again, you said small school. uh, Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa, um, which they must have something going on in Northern Iowa to be cranking out these crazy offensive linemen at 6'7", 321. He's just about 20 pounds lighter than Evan Neal. Um, he's insane. And if you want to take a shot at a guy in the second or third round, I think Trevor Pinning is, uh, your guy. And then, I mean, we're just kind of hitting the guys that have played a lot of snaps and they've looked pretty good. Uh, Darian Kennard out of Kentucky recently played against Georgia and he looked pretty good against that front seven, despite that front seven being insane. Cade, you're, you're a big Kennard guy, aren't you? Darian Kennard, weren't you? <laughs> nope, not me. <laughs> oh, okay. I've there's a little bit of a beauty with watching the the big boys do their do their work. I've enjoyed learning how to scout tackles and and offensive line. Yeah, I'll say uh, Evan Neal for his size six seven three fifty. Uh, he looks very agile when you watch film of him. Um, great hands, which is everything you want for a tackle. But yeah, when you got someone that's six seven three fifty, you don't really want to pass up on that. It's a great as long point. As he's not just you know big. That's a great point. Uh, we'll go ahead and move on because I know there's not as much to talk about with the linemen. Interior off. What are we at, by the way? People are clamoring for the linemen. Oh, we're at 50 hunt. minutes? Okay. Yeah. Guys, I, I'm trying to keep this under an hour, so we're going to move past a few of these. To do offense and save defense for. That's not a bad idea. Okay. Um, uh, let's try to hit on a few of the defensive guys because I want to talk about guys to watch in the championship. Oh, that's a good point. Um, but we'll we'll blaze past um, interior offensive linemen. I gave a position grade a B minus with Tyler Lindenbaum being the well Tyler Lindenbaum and Kenyon Green out of Iowa and A and M uh, respectfully. Those are the two guys that you should look at in the first round. The rest are probably second or third round guys: Zion Johnson, John Michael Schmitz, and Jameer Saylor out of Boston College, Minnesota, and then Georgia. But Tyler Lindenbaum's insane, and he's played so well. Interior guys, I like to. Look at, are they agile? Can they move? Um, I love seeing them from kind of a man-blocking scheme where they're doing a lot of pulling, uh, seeing how they block and get to the second level, how they match up on linebackers. And so, yeah, I think mobility is much more important and versatility too when looking at interior offensive linemen and how they're going to translate to the next level. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um and I think Linderbaum is the best player on that Iowa team, um, and it's not even close. He makes like the whole offensive lineman better because he's there. Uh, he's yeah, uh, fun fact of the day, he used to play defensive tackle at Iowa. 
It's big time. Wow. Yeah. Maybe like he has a, good hands. Who's who's the who's the Arkansas lineman that did that? Uh, who's really good? Uh, uh, Cole Kelly was tight end. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Um, he was a beast at quarterback. I feel dumb that I can't think of it. It was like our it was our big guy, our next biggest guy after Ragnow. I, hmm. I don't remember. I'm sure someone listening for sure knows, but yeah. and um, if you know, just let us know in the comments. Smash that subscribe <laughs> button. Um. Okay, we'll move on to defense. We'll try to do this quicker than we did offense, but um, basically it's Georgia, so we could move on. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but actually, it's it's insane. Interior defensive lineman, I'm given the position grade of B, uh, just because you're not totally sure what you're getting. A lot of these guys have low snap counts, um, but you're drafting them for their size. And speaking of size, you got Jordan Davis out of Georgia, 6'6", and looks like he runs really, really fast. He's insane. Yeah, he's a beast. He's, I don't know, I don't know how, but he's crazy. Um, and then Trevon Walker, Georgia, more of a like stand-up end. You can see, I mean, well, you can't see because this is visual. Uh, but he's 275 weight, um, so he's a little lighter. That's the lightest guy by like, or that's not the lightest guy. Logan Hall plays a similar role. Yeah, we'll get to him. So Trayvon Walker out of Georgia, number 44, I believe, uh, on the Bulldogs. Um, he's really good. DeMarvin Leal, a little bit of a faller out of Texas A&M. He was the IDL number one going into this year out of A&M. Had a really bad year, uh, but he had such a good year in 2020 that he's still worth considering. And then Logan Hall out of Houston, 6'6", 260, pretty good player. And Perion Winfrey, Oklahoma, 6'4", 292, has played really well for Oklahoma coming down the stretch. That's the group of five. Any thoughts? Not me. Other than, obviously, you're going to get get to, if you haven't watched Georgia yet this year, you'll get to watch them in the SEC championship, and that mm-hmm. defensive front is insane. I think one thing that you can look for in smaller school uh, D linemen in particular is you can find guys that have been playing out of position uh, like if there's, you know, maybe maybe they've been playing head, head up with the nose and they're better, and you think they're better suited in the league, shaded over three into a three technique. Um, a lot of those guys, their production may not be there because due to the college's defensive scheme, they haven't been playing in the right position. So there can be value to be had in that sense, mm-hmm. but it's also a gamble because they're coming in without those reps. And so um, that's just something to look for with the defensive line draft. And the I I don't really believe in the um like the the whole team is so good and some of the guys are kind of covering for others because that'll we'll figure that out. But there is the idea that because there's so many good players at Georgia, some people are looking a lot better than they actually are because there's just too many people to focus on. Um, and that's the case with the D line. There's a lot of guys coming in and out, but because of how many of the guys are amazing, it's making other guys look a lot better than they are. I just want to say I'm fully in on Jordan Davis transitioning into the NFL. I know, uh, not everyone is that way. Um, you know, some guys, they have insane production in college, but that doesn't mean they're necessarily considered a super great draft prospect. Like Devonta Smith was one that there's a lot of red flag that people saw mainly frame, uh, concerns with him that pushed him down the board. And there are some guys that I watch in college are like, they're just too good not to translate. And Jordan Davis is one of those for I mean, me. He's, he's insane. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to quickly Google to see if the comp of Derek Brown is accurate. 
Because Derek Brown is massive. He's 6'5". He has four sacks this year. That's nice. He's playing pretty well. I'm just not saying you gave a you gave Edge Rush an A plus. I did, yeah, and that's a wow. good transition. Edge is insane in this class. It's insane. I, I mean, love. I I just, and I with probably the bigger difference between this big board versus others. Aiden Hutchinson is my number one player in the Wild. whole class. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau obviously has been the number one for so long. Okay, wait. But, sorry, is Hutchinson your number one? prospect as a whole or is your number one edge number one prospect okay i was about to say if you have him over thibodeau then that probably means he's your number one prospect as a yep. whole yep is he what, what i know thibodeau has been mocked at one a lot mm-hmm. what's hutchison been looking like in mocks five six somewhere in that range uh part of the reason he's getting mocked higher now is people are making the jj watt comparison and they're like Houston wants their JJ Watt back. When you find when you find a comparison that you like they, in the NFL, stick, man. Yeah, and you start your mind just starts shaping around like, oh, this guy is gonna be this guy. Like, yeah. But JJ Watt is insane. He used to play. <laughs> yes, JJ Watt is wait, insane. Sorry, sorry, I was thinking of Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, this, I did it already. This, this Justin JJ yeah. Watt is insane. <laughs> so he used to play more like in between the trenches, like between tackle and guard. He lost a bunch of weight. Now he plays mostly edge, and he is nasty. I mean, he's and you saw it in big games that mattered against Ohio State. Had two sacks, and he was pressuring plenty the rest of the time. Um, he's crazy. Uh, and the next you do have Kayvon Thibodeau. I mean, a lot of times looked at as the perfect prospect. He's just had some some bad games, some games where he didn't do much, um, but he's got the athleticism. He he's A lot of people thought he was a shoe-in like Chase Young was. Not quite uh, looking that way, uh, in my opinion, but he, he'll still go really high. He was number one coming into this year, right? Yeah. For this position, mm-hmm. okay. I mean, for the whole thing, I think I think it was him and Derek Stingley were like one and two. And I still, I still think he's going to go number one overall. Probably. In my opinion, I think most important positions in football, I think, and that can make a true difference making on a franchise. Number one is obviously quarterback. Number two is edge rush. Yeah, and if you can, if you can get that stud. And Thibodeau, he also very seems like a Dan Campbell type of player. Mm-hmm. And at this point in the season, I think we, we're kind of assuming that the Lions will have True. the first overall pick. And, uh, yeah, it seems like doesn't seem like the year to be taking a quarterback one overall. And so keep building the trenches like they've been doing. Having him line up uh, opposite of Trey Flowers could be very interesting there. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm in on Thibodeau. He's my number one prospect in this draft. He's my, he's who I think is going to go number one. Sorry, he's my number two prospect in this draft behind <laughs> Traylon Burks. True, true, um, true, true. Um, okay, and these next three guys, I, I personally think there's going to be six or seven edge guys that go in the top 20. Like, that is how good I think this edge class is. They are insane. George Karloftis um, is, I mean, he his technique is masterful I, I, he's a really good player out of purdue it's it's fun to watch him and then drake jackson out of usc is nuts as well and then david ajabo who's been like everyone's favorite player this year because he hasn't played football long he didn't even know why players spiked the ball last week he was like why do people do that he like does, he, he's just so new to the game but he is a natural phenomenon he's a gonna be a real gym or bust prospect um just because 
He's a freak athlete, not a lot of snaps. He's either going to be insane or he's going to just fall off. Yeah, and I think edge rush is a very interesting one where you don't always see the numbers line up for a guy. Uh, Sean Gary comes to mind that he was a high-drafted guy that his numbers weren't great in college, mm-hmm. and that's just going to be the case sometimes with edge rush- rushers. It's not always about their sack numbers. A lot of it's going to be pressures that they generate, quarterback hurries. Um, a lot of situations can be different where they're getting uh, constant doubles, getting constantly chipped before a tight end or a running back goes out on a route. Mm-hmm. And so... I think Adafi Owe was that way at a Penn State. Not a lot of numbers, but he's played really well for the Ravens. This yeah, year. it's one of yeah. Oh, he's been really good. He's um, been crazy. But you can't always like wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks. You can look at the st- in the stats and be getting a picture of what these traits are looking like. Ed Rush, a lot of it's going to be the eye test. Yeah, true. Okay, we'll move on to linebackers. Uh, position grade B. Again, I'm sorry we're at an hour. We probably have five to ten minutes left. Um, linebacker, position grade B. <laughs> Cannon, we are not sorry. If, if we could go for two hours, we would. Yeah, Cannon wishes this went way longer. Um, okay, so linebacker, position grade B. And starting off, we got a Georgia Bulldog. No surprise here. Nicobe Dean, not everyone's number one linebacker, but I, for, I, he's crazy. He is insane. Uh, six foot, 225. I'll, I'll run through all these guys and then we can pause and, and talk about them if we want. Next, I have Brandon Smith out of Penn State at six foot, 231. And I have Devin Lloyd out of Utah, 6'3", 235. And I have Christian Harris, Bama, 6'2", 232. And then another Bulldog, Channing Tindall, Georgia, 6'2", uh, 230. Two Georgia Bulldogs. This is one of those positions where maybe because Nicobe Dean is so good, it's making Channing look a lot better. So I do... Wonder a little bit about Channing here, but Nicobe's insane. Devin Lloyd is insane. Um, Devin Lloyd is really fun to watch out of Utah. Um, you'll get to see him in the Pac-12 uh, championship with Oregon. Yeah, I'm not going to watch that. Really? Yeah, yeah and for this, uh, <laughs> for the linebacker class, I would say watch the Georgia-Bama game because you got two guys from Georgia and one guy from Bama. A uh, player to watch, obviously, Christian Harris. You have him at four. I think he could jump up. Um, man, he's a scary dude, isn't he? Looking he's, on the field. He's so athletic. Um, I, what did he say against... They were saying it over the broadcast where he really challenged the team of why is Georgia the like defensive monster? Like it used to be Alabama. Why isn't us anymore? And he trying to get his team pumped up. He's a real alpha in the locker room. Mm-hmm. I like... Uh, when I look at uh, the linebackers, it'll... Very much depends on the team's scheme, mm-hmm. um, what kind of they what they want in a linebacker. I know the get over it, Langston's. I'm going to reference the Bills a lot because that's <laughs> what I know. We love. I mean, we put our linebackers in a lot of coverage situations. Uh, Matt Milano, who's our number, best coverage linebacker, we transitioned to safety, um, and, and then there are other schemes that have linebackers more focused on playing downhill, mm-hmm. more focused on on the run fill. Um, one of the things you just have to have at the NFL level is sideline to sideline speed, being able to uh, cover, especially in these zone running uh, zone running schemes where you can keep pushing and pushing the running back to the next hole, push the running back to the next hole, um, and yeah, so going to be very scheme dependent a lot of the times when you look at the linebacker position and what teams are going to be uh, evaluating for there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want the Broncos to take. 
uh, Nicobe Dean with everything in me. I know we need a lot of other places, but <laughs> I just hope we don't. I don't Aaron Rodgers. We just punt Ted, it. Teddy's the guy. <laughs> I've if never. We've seen, learned anything. I've Teddy's not, not the guy. I've never heard a sadder statement. Yeah, that, he might be, and that hurts. Um, yeah, so this is the group out of linebacker, and then moving on to cornerback. The first, am I right on this? No, this is the second position that doesn't include a Georgia Bulldog on the defense. Uh, we didn't have one for edge, although so many of those defensive line, the IDLs line up outside as well. Derek Stingley Jr. out of LSU uh, is the number one corner. Sorry, the position grade as a whole is a B. It's a solid B. Derek Stingley Jr. out of LSU is number one. Kair Elam out of Florida. And then Trent McDuffie out of Washington. Ahmad Gardner, a.k.a. Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati. And Andrew Booth Jr. out of Clemson uh, wraps up your top five. It's a solid group out of like really good schools for the most part that have faced good competition. Like I feel like this is one of the most safe cornerback draft classes we've had in a long time. They're up against good competition in I mean every single one of those. Good players. Yeah. Derek uh, Singley, a little bit of injury concern. With, um, there, yeah. That's and he say. wasn't playing amazing this year before he got injured. Uh, but his tape last year and as of was last year, was he a freshman last year? His tape as a freshman is like incredible. Um, he one of the best cornerbacks freshman this seasons was ever. Year. Yeah, his freshman tape is insane. That almost cemented him as the number one cornerback after that year was over. They were like, if he can ever get back to that, he's gonna be the best cornerback. Yeah, I think early in the draft, a lot of what you're drafting for. Obviously, there are the when you're taking that early, you're gonna need the tangibles and you're gonna need. Uh, that size and speed, but you look for a lot of technique. Uh, there, there are always some surprises, like the Dolphins took Igonomy, I'm not, I'm not yeah. Igmanagami, um, who very rough prospect that um, was out new of, to corner uh, out of Auburn. Yeah, and it was like he didn't have the technique down, and it's kind of like a raw prospect that they're gonna they're trying to mold into a solid corner. And I think he's been fine. Not first round talent that they drafted him to be so far. Um, but I think a lot of the time you want a more polished guy when you're drafting early. I am mm-hmm. a huge, huge fan of drafting in the secondary late in the draft and drafting again, small. A lot of the time it'll be a small school, but drafting for traits. I think that's where a lot of the best nickel nickel corners uh, will come from in the league. Some of these guys that have the versatility to one, you know, they're going to be covering the slot a lot, but also can be more involved in the run fill for these mm-hmm. nickel-heavy defenses. That's what I'm a big fan of when I look at the cornerback position is late shots at guys that are you're drafting for pure traits. Yeah. I love early in the draft taking a guy from a big school that just looks like a monster. Like, I think of Patrick Sertan. Sertan, like Jalen Ramsey. built, and he's big. Um Kair Elam, sorry, Kair Elam out of Florida is that for me? I think Derek Stingley is going to be really good, but I really like Kair Elam. Um, Trent McDuffie is kind of one for me that I could see falling in the second round. I'd be more willing to pick him then because he's almost more of that. He's a great player. He's just a little smaller, um, but he'll be good. Okay, and then rounding out all the positions, we're going to move on to safeties, which I've given a position grade of B-minus. 
Um, it's a, and a lot of that's because you're so high on the top guy. And a lot of it is because of Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame. I think he'll go top five. I, I think he'll be the highest taken safety in, I mean, I don't know how long. I don't know the, I don't know who has that spot right now. But Kyle Hamilton, Notre Dame, 6'4", 220, rangy, ball hawk. Got an, I mean, he plays in the box. Um, he's a really good over-the-top safety um, a lot of people are comparing him to Derwin James. I see a lot of Justin Simmons in him because he's a little more lanky than than Derwin James is, and Simmons is pretty lanky. But he's a well-polished player and just smooth with everything he does. I do think NFL teams might be a little hesitant to take Kyle Hamilton. Um, some teams aren't – they don't know what they're going to do with a player like that. I know like the hybrids like Isaiah Simmons come to mind – where he was a little wasted, Isaiah Simmons was, in his first year on the Cardinals. They weren't sure where to play him. I think he played like 55 snaps, something crazy like that. But Kyle Hamilton is a nuts player. I think he's gross. Um, and then the rest of the, the safeties. So disgusting. Yeah, he's gross. Take a bath. Gosh. I think the rest of the safeties I have on this list could all go in the second round. So it's it's a solid safety class to have four safeties go in the second round. Because safeties aren't very highly drafted, typically. No, they aren't. Nor- normally, there's like one taken in the back half of the first round, if that. And then there's another one taken early second round and maybe late second round. Yeah, there's been one taken in the top five in all of history, and that was Sean Taylor. Oh, wow. So, I mean, he's an what animal, a pick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, a great pick. Okay, we'll move yeah. on. He was. He yeah. was a great yeah, RIP. Um, and then we got the next four. Number one, Jalen Catalan, the only guy out of the next four that's not 6'1". <laughs> he's 5'10". Out of Arkansas, I mean, I think he's just got a nose for the ball. He's the come down and not let anyone run any more yards on you. And he's great in coverage as well. He's, he's such he's a, a hard player. hitter. He, yeah. Barrett Bannister, a friend of ours that uh, plays wide receiver at Mizzou, Obviously, Catalan, he's a guy, he had his season cut short. He broke his hand. He had some injury problems. And you could see he played through it for a couple games and didn't look the same. Uh, but Barrett, I talked to him about uh, about Catalan at one point, and he's saying basically best defender he's ever seen. Like, Catalan is yeah. nuts to watch. Yeah, and he's your hybrid run supporter. You know, he can jump in at linebacker, guard a tight end, or – uh, get up on the line, rush the quarterback, stop some runs, stuff like that. Very he, explosive. And I think he comps so well to uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. out of the Buccaneers. He's a shorter guy, right? Winfield is 5'9", 203, um, and really versatile player. I, I just think, I think Catalan's going to be great. If he can stay healthy, right, because now he has injury concerns, but... Uh, the next, Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State. A lot of people think he could be the number two guy. Jalen, I think right now, is unanimous number three, um, where it's Kyle, Jaquan Brisker, and then Jalen. And then after Jaquan Brisker, there's Jordan Battle out of Alabama and Lewis, I think it's Sign, C-I-N-E, um, out of Georgia. All those guys are six one, But great prospects. A really physical safety class, which hasn't been the recent trend it's been a lot of like ball hawks guys over the top these four guys from Jalen Catalan down to Lewis are all some hard-hitting players um and they'll come after you but that's my that wraps up all the positions any last thought on safeties nope no good coverage 
Thank you all for listening. Um, really quickly, we'll go through the champion games and who you can watch in each one, and then we will let you all go. We hope you have a great rest of your week. <laughs> it's funny just looking at the SEC championship. Oh, I know. Georgia, Alabama, the answer is all of them. Yeah, it's it's everyone. And, and if they're not eligible this year, they'll be eligible next year. Like if they're – yeah, anyway. Okay, we'll start with Pac-12, Oregon, Utah. Uh, you got Edge, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, and then you have Devin Lloyd on Utah. This might be a good opportunity to learn about Devin Lloyd. If you're not super into uh, scouting or the draft, you might not know his name. He's worth a watch. OSU, Oklahoma State, and Baylor in the Big 12. Not really anyone. Uh, <laughs> no one at all. There is this guy, Jalen uh, Pitry, who I've watched a little bit of. He's a cornerback. He'll probably go like third round. He, he's okay. I, I would add in Baylor's running back, Abram Smith. He's put up some pretty good numbers this mm. year. So good I think shout. he's mid-draft. Good shout. And then uh, the SEC Championship, Luke hit on it, but, I mean, everyone. Bama, you got Jamison Williams at wide receiver, tight end Jaleel Billingsley, uh, tackle Evan Neal, linebacker Christian Harris, safety Jordan Battle. And then over at Georgia, you got Jameer Saylor at interior offensive line, uh, Jordan Davis and Trayvon Walker, both at interior defensive line, Nicobe Dean, linebacker Channing Tindall, linebacker Lewis at sign safety and then as well i mean there's another interior defensive lineman his name is escaping me right now watch the georgia walker i think i can't remember no i have trayvon walker there there's another guy um that he could go first round as well um that's how talented they are there and then the acc championship pit and wake forest Kenny Pickett, baby he's gonna show us why he's the quarterback one of the class or maybe he won't Perhaps not. Perhaps not. And then Michigan, Iowa, Big Ten. We got Aiden Hutchison, David Ajabo, both coming off the ends for Michigan. And then Tyler Linderbaum, who might not be able to do anything about it because he is the interior defense or interior offensive lineman over at Iowa. Good watch anyway in the trenches. Thank you all for joining us. That was please, if you know me, text me, reach out. Let me know what we should do differently. Um, we're probably gonna do this bi weekly. Um, and it, of course, more often as we get closer to the draft. Appreciate y'all listening. Thank you very much. Peace. <laughs>